week aren't you lucky uh, still have my fan on because it's it's warm but not disgustingly hot uh, it wasn't just last weekend either it was pretty much all week I live in San Diego it's September and it got up to 104 now I'm from Phoenix or I've spent 17 years of my life in Phoenix so I've had hotter but that phrasing um but uh yeah not pleasant not pleasant at all can't resize the buttons yeah as far as i can tell i i mean i haven't really looked into um we're talking about uh, obs got an update which changed the uh, ui a bit just the buttons are bigger um i th there might be i haven't browsed around the settings or read the release notes so you know it's just just Hey, do you want to update? Sure, because I don't want you to update in the middle of the stream, Microsoft. Because that's happened during the charity event before, and that had me down for a couple hours at least. That was a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Heat Wave did hit us pretty bad. Uh, pretty much all of sub the southern half of California, from uh, uh, San Diego to L.A. definitely, but also up in the Bay Area, it's that far north. So yeah, it it uh, it, uh, it 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 sucked like a particularly powerful vacuum. But let's talk about the important things in life, like She-Hulk. Um, because She-Hulk episode four aired this week, and I must talk about the best part of. Not just She-Hulk episode 4. No. The best part of not just She-Hulk as an entire show thus far. No. Not just the best part of all of the Marvel sh uh, TV shows. Or all of the Disney TV shows. Or all of the Marvel movies. Or all movies in general. Perhaps the best thing about life itself is Madison. From... She-Hulk episode 4. Oh, Wongers was the best part? <laughs> well, I mean, pretty close second. Um, you know, my favorite parts of uh, the She-Hulk show thus far have been the offhanded um, Titania stuff. Uh, she bursts in at the very beginning of episode 1, and I was like, okay, fine. Then we get some news cry on stuff in episodes two and three, which I had a hearty, hearty chuckle over. And then uh, episode four, no news Chirons, but that's okay because we got Madison. Um, Titania does come in for a mention at the end of the episode, and if it weren't for Madison, this would have definitely been the funniest part of the episode. So what has happened is Titania has trademarked the name She-Hulk. So she's, <laughs> she slaps Jen Walters with a cease and desist for infringing on her trademark. Huh. 
I bet Tony Stark trademarked Iron Man. I bet he trademarked Iron Man and a bunch of similar marks. But Jen, you know, should should have should have trademarked it because now <laughs> the balls on this woman. <laughs> well, you know, it's not your name; it's a pseudonym. So I trademarked trademarked it, and I'm using it for myself. What the hell is Titania even gonna do? I mean, she's she's super strong, so I, I guess she can just use it like that. I, I mean, is she is she gonna like sell She-Hulk plushies or 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 green lipstick and eyeshadow or an entire clothing line or something? What is she gonna do with the goddamn She-Hulk trademark? Um. <clears throat> Yeah, that, that's, that's, hey, Cafe Fox. Yeah, uh, Jen was uh, doing the online dating thing and wasn't having any luck, so she uh, created a She-Hulk profile and got a lot more hits. Which, she, she's like, you know what, this is kind of a hit, a hit on my self-esteem, but uh, I'll worry about that more after I get laid. Um, so, yeah, so this is, that's, that's fun. But it's not as fun as Madison, the best part of the entire MCU. <laughs> now, Madison is a, um, <clears throat> a an audience member at a magic show. Um, it's not the Magic Castle. It's uh, I think they call it the Mystic Castle. Um, trademark, don't you know? Um, uh, Cafe Fox is liking the show, but I find the animation for She-Hulk kind of off-putting. Yeah, uh, it's it's a mix at times. Um, generally, if she's sitting still and it's like cropped to her face, it's pretty fine. Uh, anytime She-Hulk is up and moving around, yeah, not working. Although it. it, it varies episode to episode like most of the most of the work in the pilot episode was pretty solid but it, you know kind of very shot to shot eh, television show so yeah it, it, it's true uh, the, the She-Hulk effect is mixed some of it looks quite good and some of it does not um, your mileage may vary how much that takes you out of the show uh, but anyway, so, um, there's some guy doing magic at the Magic Castle, or the Mystic Castle, and he invites someone on, and he's kind of a hack magician, he's just boring, uh, but he calls for an audience, and a very happy, excited woman with a martini glass or something is like, ooh, me, pick me for audience member thing, and she's like, yeah, <laughs> and she's slopping her damn drink all over her friend sitting next to her, who also just doesn't seem to notice. So she gets up on stage and the guy, you know, pulls a flower out of his hat, but no one really cares. So he's like, okay, how about this? And he pulls out a sling ring and he creates a portal to hell, <laughs> apparently. And Madison looks at it and goes, ew. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the next scene, uh, so we have Wong, our, the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, Netflix and chilling to the Sopranos or whatever streaming service the Sopranos streams on. 
when uh, Madison drops out of a portal into his living room, holding a still-beating heart, which she promptly drops on his rug and just never mentions it. She's lost her drink by this point. And, um... So, um... Uh, you know, she talks about, she's like, yeah, I was in, uh, like, this hellfire dimension, and I met this demonic goat named Jake, and I sold my soul to get back here. Are you watching The Sopranos? Ooh, this is the one where Larry kills Fred. And uh, Wong is like, you just spoiled it for me. I'm going to sue that Johnny Blaze. It's not Johnny Blaze. It's Donnie Blaze. Johnny Blaze is one of the ghostwriters. Donnie Blaze is just some guy, I guess. Um, odd choice for a name, since it's so damn close to Johnny Blaze, but... Eh? Relation? I have no idea. Uh, I don't think I've ever read any of the ghostwriter comics. So, um... <clears throat> so that's essentially the... It, the there's two plots. Uh, there's an A and a B plot. The... B-plot is uh, She-Hulk trying to get laid through the dating scene, and the A-plot is uh, Wong is suing this magician for using, you know, real magic. Um, he's trying to say that he's copyrighted real magic. And you can't copyright a card trick, but it's kind of an interesting idea. It's like, well, yeah, no, I'm talking about real magic here. And he says, because it's dangerous, you could get somebody killed, send them to another dimension or something. And so they call Madison as a witness. And she, of course, is at another party, I guess. I, I, I don't know if he dropped... Maybe she was still in Nepal and just checking out the party scene. I don't, I don't know where she was. But she's really excited to see Wong because she's holding her drink. She turn, you know, She trips through the portal and she sees Wong and she goes... Wongers, and then she holds out her hands like this and goes, "Hi!" She's just so happy to see him. Um, and so they put her on the stand, and she uh, gives her drink to the bailiff because um, not allowed to have drinks in court, and uh, she promises she's not sick. And she talks about her adventures in hell and uh, signing a contract with a demon goat named Jake. And um, says she can't uh, be, uh, you know, be too specific because um, then Jake would reap her soul and the souls of everyone she loves. And she describes the event as um, um, fun, then scary, then fun, then spooky, but in a fun way. And um, then uh, Wong makes a big speech about, you know, the, the danger and responsibility that must go with opening portals to other dimensions. And um, Madison goes, case closed. And the judge says, no, <laughs> no, it's not, no. Um, and then uh, the judge is like, all right, I'll, you know, court's adjourned. I'll figure out my decision next week. And Madison immediately hangs on uh, Wong. And she says, Wongers, can we go get Froyo? <laughs> He says, no. And she says, come on, we'll talk about The Sopranos. He's like, fine, just don't spoil anything. And, um... <clears throat> so, uh, Madison is the best. And, um... She's in the, uh... The post-credit sequence is just Wong and, uh... Madison chilling on her couch watching This Is Us, I think. And talking about drinks. 
and it's it is utterly delightful and uh madison and wongers are now best friends forever and should be in every mcu show and movie from here on out because she's hilarious don't recognize the actor looked her up uh, her name's like uh, patty guggenheim or something uh, real cool name but uh her IMDb list is she's been working for like a solid working actor, been in television for the better part of it for more than a decade. So I don't watch a lot of TV, so I'm not familiar with any of her work. But uh, it's interesting because that character could easily be really annoying, and perhaps to some she is, but um, that actor made this character just an utter delight. And I've been, I've been, you know giggling about that character for the last couple of days with the case closed <laughs> i live alone and i keep saying um uh madison isms uh so yeah character really worked worked for me <clears throat> uh, cafe fox quoting part of the episode uh people love yeah uh jen is breaking the fourth wall uh, talking about that wong is back in episode four she says yeah people love wong every time he's in an episode it's like twitter armor for a week and She's not wrong. <laughs> but with the combined strength of Wong and Madison, no one will ever have anything negative to say about She-Hulk ever again. At least for the next five episodes. Um, yeah, it was Mystic Castle in the show. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Uh, episodes three and four, I think, are the strongest so far. I, I really like the A and B plot uh, structure of the show, how they're, they're doing an A plot, they're doing a B plot, they come together by the end. There's a, there's a fun court case. And that's, a, that's the thing that I loved about the run of uh, She-Hulk that I actually read, it, which I didn't think was that good but i did think it had a lot of great ideas um is uh and and the show's doing the same thing only better written i feel um i i like the idea of you know she she hulk is is getting a cease and you know someone trademarked her name so she has to fight that in court that's hilarious uh someone's been defrauded by a shapeshifter Okay, cool. What do you do? Um, the the whole thing with with Blonsky, uh, you know, trying to copyright real magic. The that's what I love that these you know posing these really fun questions. I bet lawyers actually love this. And they're like, if magic was real, could you copyright it? What would you do in this case? So uh, anyway, I'm 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 finding She Hulk. Uh, uneven effects uh, or not, uh, quite a delight. So, um, and and Madison is the best. So, um, I also watched uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, which hit um, Disney Plus this week. I did not see it in the uh, drive-in. Uh, I'm kind of at the point where, well, one because the drive-in keeps doing this stupid thing where they're double featuring movies with themselves for the first six to ten weeks and you know by the time it's not double featuring with itself it's like gonna be on disney plus in two or three weeks so 
may as well just enjoy it from the comfort of my own home. It's cheaper. I can see the movie. I'm going to have to rewatch it again because it's really... Any scene that takes place at night or is particularly dark, can't see anything at the drive-in. Just the ambient light makes darker movies really tough to watch. Encanto, not a problem. Very bright, colorful movie. But I saw uh, The Eternals in um, at the drive-in and missed like half the I could not tell what was going on at all in, in like half the movie. I'm like, I, I had no idea. There's a scene in the front of The Eternals where Cersei and Dave are walking along like a b the edge of a body of water and one of the monsters, the uh, deviants, is swimming in the water after them. I didn't see it. I didn't notice the first time I saw the movie in the drive. It wasn't until I rewatched it on uh, Netflix, not Netflix, Disney Plus, because it's too dark. Can't see it. So, um, yeah, I get, you know, I'm, I'm patient. I can, I can wait 10 weeks for it to come out on Disney Plus or whatever. Of course, there's some movies that, uh, that I have to go see at the drive-in, like Spider-Man No Way Home. Kind of have to see that at the drive-in because that's not hitting Disney Plus anytime soon. So, or anything that doesn't have a uh, that isn't going to be on a streaming service that I have access to. So, oh, you just watched Love and Thunder too? Oh, great. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chicago says really enjoying She-Hulk. I just feel that, like the episodes are too short. They feel more like teaser episodes. Well, that just means you're enjoying it. Um, hmm. I, you know, I mean, I'm inclined, yes, more She-Hulk, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about episode length. I, it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel rushed, but it doesn't feel dragged out, but I still end up wanting more, so, hmm. Anyway, Thor Love and Thunder, uh, finally saw, really enjoyed. Um, I was concerned going in that this particular, I loved Ragnarok, um, but watching the marketing for Thor Love and Thunder, I was concerned that this particular movie might be a bit too goofy for my taste. Um, because a lot of the marketing focused on some of the silliest gags in the film. And I thought, I don't know, maybe this, this one's a bit too goofy. Or maybe it's the case that they're just taking all the silliest gags in the film and condensing it into a two-minute trailer and it's just too much in too short a space. Well, uh, the movie is re remarkably silly in a lot of places, but uh, for me, I felt that the, um, uh, the pacing of how the silliest gags are doled out uh, combined with uh, a very considered and tight grip on tonal control uh plus the uh, uh the the wraparound uh, the, the the conceit of how the film is delivered uh what love and thunder is is essentially Korg regaling an audience of kids with a story so i have a feeling that a lot of the stuff in uh, particularly near the beginning of the movie is just Korg telling a story is you know, kind of exaggerating exactly what was said or exactly what was done. You know, the, uh, it's in the trailer so that, you know, when he jumps up and does the splits to hold two owl bikers at bay, 
in the reality of the MCU, that might not have actually happened exactly like that. That's just the way Korg retells it. So, anyway, that was my head cannon. Um, <clears throat> Cafe Fox says, I agree, just when things get good, episode's over. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm, uh, unlike some other uh, shows I've seen on Disney+, Plus, where, uh, like, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, I was like, eh, it's fine, but at the end of every episode, I'm like, okay, well, whatever. A lot of times, I would hit the next week and completely forget there was a new episode. And be like, oh, shoot, new new Star Wars thing. I should watch that. But, yeah, uh, She-Hulk, um, I'm just really looking forward to it. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm like, episode five now! Um, more Titania! More Madison! Um... So Thor Love and Thunder I, I really enjoyed. Um, I think Gore the God Butcher is a good villain. I think he could have used just another little bit, of, another moment or two to do a little bit more with the character, you know, the who the person is. I think that really would have elevated him a bit more. Um, not that he was bad, I just thought he could use a little bit more and that would have elevated him into, you know, top tier MCU villain. Still otherwise very cool. A lot of great visuals. Uh, I thought it was funny. Um, like watching the trailers, I'm like, is the screaming goats gonna get annoying? Not to me. It was paced out well enough. I mean, it was present enough to make the joke land, but for me it wasn't so prevalent that it was annoying. Um, my favorite gag in the film and it's really subtle, is um, Jane goes to New Asgard to check out the uh, remains of uh, Mjolnir, the Thor's hammer, which was shattered in Ragnarok by Hela. Um, what's funny is uh, the pieces of Mjolnir are on display in, you know, a park in New Asgard on a pedestal with a protective... Uh, glass or plastic uh, dome over it so that people can come and look at the hammer or the pieces of it. Now what's funny is that the pedestal is actually holding the dirt and grass that the shards of Mjolnir would have landed on because no one can pick the damn thing up to move it over so they had to scoop up the ground with it to move Mjolnir, which I thought was a lovely little touch, and not something they really mention or, or really draw attention to, but if you're looking at it, the pieces of Mjolnir are not sitting on, you know, a marble plinth or anything. It's sitting on a bowl that's holding a big plot of dirt and grass. Because no one could pick up the pieces. <laughs> they were all unworthy. Um... So I love that bit. I also watched the uh, behind-the-scenes um, uh, documentary that they have on Disney+. Plus. Another thing that's really weird, I'm seeing on uh, the, the tubes of you lots of Thor-deleted scenes that are not on Disney+. Plus. Disney, why are you giving mm, IGN and everyone else deleted scenes? And not putting them on the service that I pay for. Hmm? I'm sure there's a very good marketing reason to do that. But, um... 
I watched the documentary, and one of my favorite... Uh, I found a couple things. The uh, uh, Gore's Kid is played by um, Chris Hemsworth's kid. At India Hemsworth? Something like that. Um, <clears throat> so that was neat. Uh, also, a lot of the new Asgardian children are played by a bunch of the crew's kids, which seems obvious, but yeah, that, that's fun. Um, the shadow monsters... So one of my favorite details I learned in the documentary, that the shadow monsters, which I thought were really well designed as, you know, nightmare fuel shadow monsters, uh, they talked about the design. And uh, Taika Waititi was, you know, said to his kid, he's like, hey, kid of mine, um, draw a scary monster. You know, something that freaks you out that you don't want to see in the dark and Taika's kid did and he gave it to the art department and then they cleaned it up you know because it's a crayon scribble and that's and I actually recognized it from I'm like oh yeah that's the one from the middle of the movie so apparently all of the dream monsters are based on child's drawing uh, the, the drawings of the children of the crew so they're like hey everyone who has kids I know they're mostly useless and annoying but have them draw scary monsters. <laughs> and all of the, the shadow monsters are, are based on uh, child imaginations, which is why they're so goddamn creepy. So that, that was pretty awesome. Uh, so, Thor, I, I quite liked it. Um, <clears throat> anything more I want to hit on with Thor? Uh, no, because we've got plenty more crap to talk about. All right, so... Uh, I learned this week... Now, I was aware that um, Naughty Dog uh, made another uh, re-release or remaster of The Last of Us. So The Last of Us came out in, I think, 2013, about 10 years ago. And people seemed to like it. And uh, came out PS3. So when the PS4 rolled around, they released The Last of Us Remastered, which was a visually updated version of uh, The Last of Us. It's actually the version I played. And then they did Last of Us 2, and then PS5 rolls around, and they did The Last of Us Part 1, is what they're calling it. It's not labeled Remaster or Remake, it's just called The Last of Us Part 1. Which is a, another visually upgraded version of The Last of Us. And it looks very nice. It looks very PS5-y. Very modern generation presentation for this game it's not it's not a remake in the vein that final fantasy 7 remake is or the uh the the resident evil 2 3 and the upcoming 4 are remakes same exact game just prettier plays exactly the same it's just very pretty um more even more prettier than it was before uh they also added a bunch of nifty uh accessibility options uh like I'm selling it short, like a metric butt ton. Think of a really big butt, big butt ton of accessibility options, like industry leader type of accessibility options, which is awesome. What's not awesome, in my ever so humble opinion, is that they're selling uh, The Last of Us Part 1 for $70.00. I, 
I think that's asking too much. I think that's price gouging. I think that's horse poop and cow poop and all kinds of quadruped poop. And it's kind of grossly ironic, I think, to have a game that goes above and beyond at least the current industry standards, uh, from a current industry standard point of view, above and beyond with the accessibility option, and then locks it behind a ridiculous paywall that many would find <laughs> inaccessible. Boy, I feel for anyone out there who's like, man, Last of Us, I'm really digging this game. I, I mean, from what I can see, I I've been wanting to play The Last of Us for 10 years, but I have some... Uh, some accessibility issue which prevents me from playing the game in a comfortable manner. Huzzah! Finally! A version of the game that I can... Oh, Jesus Christ, on a stick at $70? Fuck you! My, my. That dog is naughty indeed. Hey, hey, you know the aforementioned remakes, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Resident Evil 2, 3, I'm assuming the upcoming 4, that were not just prettier versions of games that came out 10 or more years ago, but actually remade games, didn't play the same, completely new games, literal remakes, not remasters, remakes. They were cheaper than $70. I think Final Fantasy VII Remake was 60 which is more than I'm willing to pay, but that is grumble grumble, the industry standard. Um, but I think Resident Evil 2 and 3 Remake were cheaper than that. I think they were like 50 bucks. Um, might be wrong about that, but they definitely were not 70 So, naughty... Naughty dog. Naughty, naughty dog. Shame on you. For shame. That's right. I, I, I bet th the decision makers at Naughty Dog or at Sony or whoever made this decision feel really bad now. And they should. You done bad. Resident Evil, or I'm sorry. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is seventy dollars on Steam. Is it? Is it? Am I completely wrong about this? Steam store. Uh, Final Fantasy Remake. Holy shit. Well, Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade is $70. What the fuck? Huh. Shame on you, too, Square Enix! 
Isn't Integrade just the the DLC though? Isn't that just the thing with the gal with the crop top turtleneck thing? What Yuffie or what what her name is? Hmm. What is it on Amazon? Final Fantasy Seven Remake. Um. Oh, holy shit! That then. Well, it's forty bucks now, but it was seventy. At least it was on the PS Five. What was the PS Four? Okay, the PS4 version was 60 bucks. The PS5 version was $70. That's still too much. I mean, at least that's a new game. So, it's still too much, but at least that's a new game. Last of Us Part 1 is just a prettier version of a 10-year-old game. Well, 9-year-old game. With very welcome accessibility options. Absolutely. But still, don't do that. that, that that's poopy. So, um, <laughs> Last of Us Part 1, give us more money edition. Yeah. Now, if it was like, um, you know, Final Fantasy, not Final Fantasy, uh, I don't know what this is. Why am I doing this? What does this gesture even mean in this context? Uh, Last of Us. If it was Last of Us Part 1 and 2... With all kinds of accessibility options and super improved graphics and redone character models and uh, motion capture performances. And you wanted to sell that for 70 bucks? Okay. Two games? Prettyified? Mmm, okay. Anyway, I, I was not aware. Uh, actually... I didn't know that, at least on the PS5, that Final Fantasy VII Remake originally retailed for 70 bucks, because when it first was announced, or, you know, when it was first coming out, I was like, oh, it's Final Fantasy VII Part One Remake? There's going to be, like, multiple parts? Oh. Okay, well, I'll, I'll wait until all the parts are out, and then you sell the entire thing for much cheaper. So I never bothered to look to see what the price was. Same thing with, um... I'm kind of late to the party on The Last of Us price because I wasn't interested in buying it. I'm definitely not going to buy it now that I know it's $70, but the reason I'm not getting The Last of Us Part 1 is because I already played The Last of Us a couple years ago. Same game. Prettier. More accessibility options. That's cool. $70 is not cool. And I know cool. So. <clears throat> All right. What do I have next on my list of things to complain about? Oh, something to not complain about. But, uh, so last week on the uh, Sunday stream, being the first Sunday of the month, I played The Kaito Files, which was the... Oh, no, I do have something to complain about, which was <laughs> which was the, um, the overpriced story DLC for Lost Judgment. Um, I had read that The Kaito Files was like four or five hours, Maybe if you rush, but the way I play, it was like 10 or 11 hours. Um, which makes the $30 asking price a bit more palatable, but still overpriced. I think the Kaito Files is good. It, it feels like an actual additional piece of content. 
not something that was cut out of the game to sell you later, like some of the DLC content of Lost Judgment definitely feels like it was in the game in the first place and was removed to sell you back later, but the Kaito Files actually does feel, whether this is true or not, like additional content, right? It's just overpriced. Uh, it's a brand new story. Uh, you're playing an existing character, but he's got a brand, you know, brand new fighting style, two new styles. It's a lot of fun. Um, the story is shorter than, you know, Judgment and Lost Judgment, as we'd expect, but no less involved and complex and dramatic and, you know, they put a lot of time and consideration and effort into crafting a new story, and that's great it just shouldn't be thirty dollars what should it have been i think 20 bucks would have been acceptable especially if they would have added a couple side cases because boy when there's no side cases the pacing of these yakuza games goes right out the window um because it's just Long stretches of story fights, long stretches of story and some fights, long stretches of story and some fights. You know, there's... The way I play the Yakuza games anyways, I do some story, and then I play around in Kamurocho or Yokama or wherever the games take place. And then I, when I'm done dicking around with stuff, and you know, doing side stories and, you know, little mini games and running around and playing with all the battles and stuff, then I advance the story some more, and then I do some more. That's how I play the game, and that's how I think it's the uh, most properly paced. Everyone else may have a very different way of playing through the games. But Kaito Files, because there's only the story, there's really nothing to do except go through the story. There's there's no additional mini-games, there's no additional side stories, it's, it's just the story. Which makes the $30 asking price just too much. However, I bought not just the Kaito Files, but all of the DLC for 25 bucks, which was, you know, $5 less than the 30 bucks they were asking for the story DLC alone. So for $25, I got the story DLC plus um, three new girlfriends, which what that does is essentially add about 10 new side stories, which are really quite fun. Uh, and uh, a smattering of other bullshit. Uh, you, you get the uh, boxing fighting style, which actually works really well and is a lot of fun and has its own upgrade tree and I'm really enjoying. Um, then you get some other side stuff. You, you get a new skateboard and a new skate park to play in. It's fine. Uh, you get some new skins for your dog. It's fine. Uh, you get a couple new opponents at the boxing gym. It's cool. Uh, you apparently get a new outfit for the dance minigame, but I have no idea where the hell to go get it. So, uh, um, so all of that... Even though the girlfriends feel like they were cut out of the game. Oh, plus they give you a bunch of uh, just random bullshit that you can, you know, just, you know, here's some apples. You know how in, a, uh, like a lot of the Nintendo games, like Breath of the Wild, if you scan the, the horse, the, the opponent amiibo, it'll just drop a bunch of bullshit on you. Like, here's some sticks and apples and watermelons and, 
some rupees. Yeah, I mean, it's all stuff that you can just wander around and pick up off the ground yourself. It's just a, you know, here's some in-game items. You know, fine. there's some of that, too. Um, that may, you know, that, all of that, actually, 25 bucks, a little steep still, but th that feels better. So I think if they would have just, you know, 20 bucks for Kaido Files, and Kaido Files actually had a few side cases to work on, I think that would have been perfect. I probably still would have complained because I'm a cheap bastard, but, you know. Um, another thing I'd like to point out is I'm actually really excited for the next Judgment game because uh, Lost Judgment, the sequel to the original Judgment, uh, one thing that the first Judgment didn't quite succeed on as well as it could is the investigative aspects of the game. Uh, they A lot of valiant efforts with tailing people and um, examining a crime scene, that kind of, you know, they had that and sneaking into, uh, using parkour to sneak into a building and stuff like that. Good attempts didn't integrate into the game quite as cohesively as it could. It still felt kind of half-baked and a little tacked on. Lost Judgment integrates the detective stuff a lot better than the first game did. And the Kaito Files does even better. In fact, Kaido, Kaido's story actually makes him feel like more of an actual detective than Yagami. So they're, they're really starting to nail down the difference between Yakuza and Judgment being the you know investigative detective stuff so i have a feeling that in the next game they're really going to nail this uh investigation stuff i, I so i i have high hopes for rgg I, I i think it's gonna be good anime momo hello uh Let's see, not the first part. Are we talking about the uh, multiple... Jared, are we talking about the multiple parts of the... the? I don't know why snapping helps, but it, I guess it does. Or something to fill in the space uh, for the Final Fantasy remakes. Yeah, Square Enix announced within the last couple of months uh, the release schedule for the next two parts of the Final Fantasy VII remake. So, I forget what it is. But, yeah, uh, it's going to be a few years at least you know i imagine the second one i think the second one's probably you know next spring and then you know the third one a year after that unless delays happen which would mean that you know final fantasy 7 remake the whole shebang 2025 at the earliest so yeah i'm i'm in no rush so Leaping off from uh, Kaito Files, which I finished and, and did quite enjoy, and I'm, I'm still actually working on some of the other DLC stuff, uh, the girlfriend stuff um, from uh, Lost Judgment. Uh, RGG, uh, Ryoga Gotoku Studios, the company behind Yakuza and Judgment and you know, the Fist of the North Star game, um, they have a summit next week. Basically a digital games presentation. And... Uh, as a fan of their games, I'm excited to hear what they uh, have to offer. Um, it feels to... I, I know they're working on another Yakuza game. You know, Yakuza 8. 
or Yakuza Like a Dragon 2 or whatever. The continuing adventures of um, uh, Ichiban Kasuga and his friends. Uh, feels way too soon. I mean, Lost Judgment just came out last year, so they might announce that they're make, working on another one, but it's definitely not going to be out this year. I feel that if it, it I don't think we're going to see Yakuza 8 this year, at least not in America. Maybe Japan will have it by Christmas or something if they're that far along. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, it's also rumored that they're working on a brand new franchise, which, cool. But my hope, I want to see localizations of Yakuza Ishin and Yakuza Kenzan, which are one's a PS Kenzan's a PS3 game, Ishin's a PS4 game, and they all take place both of them take place in different eras. I think one's 17th century Japan and then one's like 19th century Japan. Uh so that you know it takes the cast of the Yakuza games and transports them. Imagine if Kiryu Cosmo was an actor playing a character in the Yakuza games, and he's trans, but now he's playing a different character in the. Watch a trailer; they look great. I want localizations of them. I've wanted them for years, and you know, if uh, Yakuza Eight is not going to be available this year, well, then we've got a nice big open space this Christmas. Hell, RGG, I'd even pay separately for them. You know. If you, if you wanted to sell them separately instead of, you know, as a bundle, which is kind of what I think most people would expect it would be, fine. I just want to play them. But I can't read or speak Japanese, so I'm reliant on you localizing the damn thing someday. And I hope you do, because they look, they, they look wonderful. So. Correct. Same team on both games. Um... But we'll see, uh, all the, whoop, there we are. Although, I forget his name, oh gosh. No amount of snapping is going to make me remember his name, but he actually left RGG this past year, I think. Uh, starting his own studio, I think. Eh. Well, well, we'll see how it turns out. Another thing semi-related to, so that, that's what I want to see, but I've been a big fan of everything that studio's outputted so i imagine you know even if they don't have localizations of uh, kenzan and ishin on offer i'll be disappointed and i'll continue to whine but i'll probably be into whatever the hell they announce sequel to judgment sure sequel to yakuza absolutely sequel to fist of the north star yeah okay a yakuza asian of some other ip a la fist of the north star all right <laughs> you know completely brand new thing yeah bring it on hopefully they you know tell me what it is and i don't come away from the summit going okay but what's the game though like i did during yeah pretty much every digital games presentation that's not from nintendo um anyway uh one of the side quests in uh the the uh, girlfriend dlc for lost judgment is a woman who is 20 years your junior could, could we you know i like the dating mini games in the yakuza 
and judgment games. I really do. They can be really charming and a lot of fun, but for the love of graham crackers, could 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 Kiryu and Kasuga and uh, Yagami, could they please, please, for the love of those crispy graham crackers, could they please date people somewhere approaching their own age? As charming and goofy and fun as these side stories are, it feels really skeevy to be a 40-something-year-old man dating a 22-year-old woman. You know? Doesn't feel good. I don't like that. Maybe I'm being ageist. I don't know, but it's... It's, it's squicking me right the hell out. I, I don't like it. I think the oldest uh, girlfriend that's ever been in any of these games has been like 32 or <laughs> something like that. And she was like the old one at the cabaret. She's like, oh, I'm so old. They all call me mother or something. It's like, you're 32. Come on. I'm still a decade and a half your senior. Um... Actually, the school teacher, I think, I forget her name, in Lost Judgment, I think she's 32. So, that's nice, but I mean, Yagami's in his late 40s, so, still, could, could we date someone our own age, please? Please? Garn. Um, anyway, so, uh, the, the, one of the, one of the gals you're dating, who's 20 years your junior, uh, wants to be a comedian. And so she ropes you into doing a manzai routine, which is something, because I watch anime and play video games from Japan, I know what that is, conceptually, but I've never actually seen that routine. If you don't know what the word means, I don't know what the word means either, but what it describes is a, uh, stand-up comedy routine performed by usually two people uh one who is the straight person and it, not as in sexual orientation but straight as in to someone's goofy abbott Costello, uh, uh laurel and hardy that kind of straight man goofy character kind of thing um so one's the straight character and one's the the goofy stupid one and so the goofy stupid one will say something goofy and stupid and the other one will smack him upside the head non-DNA and be like, what the hell are you talking about, right? That's the basic format of that style of Japanese stand-up comedy. I've seen it usually referenced in anime and I've, I've seen it done in video games a couple times. Actually, Haruka actually does that in Yakuza 5, I think. Um... But when it's a video game, usually one character will say something and the other, and you'll have a list of things on it, and it's like, choose the best response to fill in the joke, and it's on a timer, right? Which destroys the pacing of comedy, but it at least gave me an idea of what this whole Manzai thing is supposed to be. So, luckily, we have the internet, and um, he had one his age in the first game. Are you sh I'd have to look up the... I mean, in the first game, Kiryu would have been about 40. Let's see. He No, no, because he went was 18, 18... Late 30s, and I don't think she was late 30s. I think she was like 
30. I'd have to look up the ages. A lot closer, but, you know, by the time you get into Yakuza 5 and 6, Kiryu's pushing 50. And all the girls in the cabaret club are like 22, <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it's a little gross. But yeah, she, she I forget, I think she's dead. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, a little bit closer in ages. What was I talking about? Oh, so I, through the magic of the internet, I actually looked up some uh, actual bonsai performances that were luckily subtitled because, number one, generally speaking, this type of stand-up routine is performed very quickly. Like, it's it's a very rapid-fire, uh, you know, blah, 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 you know, it's that kind of very quick back and forth, so... Um, a very hard to subtitle. Most of the people I saw trying to subtitle these routines use different colors because the dialogue is so quick that they had to, um, you know, color code the uh, to, so you could tell who was talking. And I watched several routines, and it some of them sucked, but like, you know, some comedy's good, some's not. But I saw several that were actually genuinely very funny. So, yay, video games exposing me to new things! Hooray! I love being exposed to... Wait, no, no, I... Never mind. Alright, so. <sighs> so, Disney... Con. D23. D23, right. So that's going on right now. I continually bitch... <laughs> about Nintendo seemingly being one of the only major companies that can do a decent video games digital presentation, right? Um, I saw Ubisoft's today. Um, it's been over two years since we uh, found out that Ubisoft has been systematically for decades uh, covering up and uh, facilitating abusers, harassers, and sex pests at their company. Ubisoft still hasn't apologized for that or even really done much to change that culture. I was pretty sure that, you know, they'd, they'd use... Finally, after two-some years, they'd, they'd use the Ubisoft Forward presentation to you know, say, all right, let's get this out of the way. We, we done bad... For decades, we're going to stop doing bad. Here's we're going to apologize. We're going to make amends. We're going to this is what we're going to do in the future. No, they didn't do any of that. They just uh, they just uh, slopped the trough with a with a bunch of Assassin's Creed logos, which I find kind of insulting. Uh, very boring presentation. Uh, not the worst I've seen. I forget who was earlier in the week. That was just awful. I think I've blocked it out of my mind. It was so bad. Uh, seriously. Uh, so we're getting Assassin's Creed... Bacon Bits, which is the new Assassin's Creed that's coming out, which is a prequel to one of the other 20 Assassin's Creeds. Um, then we're getting Assassin's Creed Code Red and Assassin's Creed... Uh, code uh, Nacho Flavor and Assassin's Creed Jade which is the mobile game and Assassin's Creed Infinity 
And what do we know about these? Almost nothing. They didn't have anything to show. They just showed a logo and a subtitle, and uh, I guess they think that's enough. And maybe for many it is. I mean, at least uh, Assassin's Creed Code Red, that's a Mountain Dew, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. That one, at least they're like, hey, this one takes place in feudal Japan, and you guys have always wanted an Assassin's Creed in feudal Japan. Cool. So I guess that's years off. Oh, and Disney Infinity, not Disney Infinity, Ubisoft, no, Assassin's Creed Infinity. Apparently not a game, but some type of hub that connects other games somehow. Gee, maybe a digital presentation would have been a great time to actually explain what the fuck that actually is. Nope. Hell. They barely even gave any gameplay footage of Assassin's Creed uh, Baghdad. What, what, whatever it's called. The, the, the new one that's actually coming out in the next year. Um, so, Disney, on the other hand, Mountain Dew does have Code Red. Maybe they'll sue Ubisoft. There you go. Um, oh, were they friends before prison? I don't remember. And I don't remember her name, either. Hmm. Eh, doesn't matter. There are, there are wikis where we could look these things up. Disney generally is pretty good at making trailers. Like, they made trailers for uh, the Disney stuff. Like, the new Hocus Pocus movie. Which, maybe I should watch the first Hocus Pocus, because people seem to have a lot of love for that, and I don't think I ever saw it. And, uh, Willow looks really cool. And it was a teaser, but at least it was a good teaser for The Little Mermaid. We got to see what The Little Mermaid looks like. We got to hear a little music. It's just a teaser, but it's explicitly a teaser. I mean, it's more than just the logo, so that's nice. Got to hear a little music, got to see a little mermaid. <laughs> see what I did there? A little mermaid? Okay. Um... Although I did find it kind of funny that um, they, they're changing the melody a little bit. Well, they're not changing the melody. They're just... Have you ever seen Disney's The Little Mermaid? You know the uh, part of your world song? Out of the sea. Wish I could be part of your world. Okay. Here's how it goes in the new version. Out of the sea. Wish I could... Uh-uh. Be... <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my god. What... It's like, it's different, look! <laughs> um, I don't get the remake. I, I've, maybe I should watch some of these Disney live-action remakes. I've, I, I've not seen uh, the Beauty and the Beast remake. Didn't see Lion King. Didn't see uh, Aladdin. Uh, Pinocchio just came out. Didn't probably not going to watch that. Had no plans to watch The Little Mermaid because they look like the same movie. <laughs> I've already seen it. I mean, like, I'm I'm curious to see how certain elements translate to live action, but I'm not curious to watch the whole movie. But I haven't seen any of them. So, Jungle Book, either of them, didn't didn't watch those either. Um, I did see Black is King though, which apparently is based on the live-action remake of The Jungle Book. Not Jungle Book, I'm sorry, Lion King. Mm, so, yeah, there's that. Um, 
anyway, so so you know, fine trailers. You know, they show bits of the movie and show what it is. Uh, Star Wars trailers are good. They showed another trailer for Andor, and that that looks really good. Um, showed a trailer for Mandalorian, and it's got Mandalorian and Baby Yoda in it. Looks good. Um, the, even for the animated Star Wars Jedi thing, it's like, hey, look, Jedi from the prequel era. It's animated. And they beat each other over the head with lightsabers. Cool. So, good, good trailers. Marvel trailers. Wonderful. Uh, they had one for um, Werewolf by Night, which looks absolutely delightful. A very, it was, I, the trailer was presented in black and white. And with a very kitschy, grindhouse kind of feel to it, I really hope that's not just the trailer, and I hope that's actually how the... I don't know if it's a film or if it's a its a special presentation. Maybe it's only 50 minutes. I have no idea. Um, I hope it's actually in black and white and has that kind of a tone. Love it. Wonderful. Makes me want to see the thing, which is what a trailer is supposed to do. It's supposed to... Give you enough information about a thing so that you want to buy it. Watch it, listen to it, play with it. If it's a video game, read it. If it's a book, listen to it. If it's a song, whatever. Right? So, Disney. Very good at trailers for their Disney stuff, for their Star Wars stuff, for their Marvel stuff. But holy biscuits and toast, Disney is absolute garbage at making video game trailers because wow wow was the uh 23 minute video game disney video game presentation yesterday it hurt my soul it was so bad ubisoft's wasn't that bad it was just boring and the leadership of the company still harbors and, you know, abusers and sex pests. And, you know, I, I mean, they make good games, but, well, some good games. At least some games I'm interested in. And I'd feel better about playing them if the uh, leadership of the company weren't such slime ball monster people. You know? I don't want to be... I want to I wanna enjoy these things. I don't want to have that shit in the back of my mind that the people who brought me this wonderful game are mistreated and abused. I don't like that. That does not bring me joy. And you know what Marie Kondo does if something doesn't bring you joy? Oh yeah. It's not pretty. So, um... Let's see. There's a... There's a game with Marvel stuff and we know the name of the game and it was presented there were three people standing out in a park and they like one had Cyclops laser beam powers and someone had Wolverine's claws and haha -ha! great what's the game Oh, okay. Hey, we have a new game. Okay. It's a Marvel game. Great. It has Captain America and Black Panther. Cool. 
Oh, I'm sorry, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Now give us money. No. Wh what? Don't you like Black Panther and Captain America? Yeah, I do. But you have to give me more than that. You have to give me, you know, something. What, what genre is it? Well, I mean, you know, Amy Henning is part of it, so you can infer... What if I don't know who the fuck that is? I know who that is. So, is, is it like Jack and Daxter or Uncharted or something? Maybe. Got any screenshots? Nope. So, I would assume if you have no screenshots, you have no, like, you know, gameplay video or anything. Nope. What Disney's uh, games presentation really felt like is they have, like, one game that's coming out soon, the Mickey Mouse game, which is a multiplayer, seems couch co-op, kind of, where you play Mickey and Donald and Goofy and Daisy or someone. Uh, and you run around, it's, you know, a cartoony platformer. I don't really care for the style. It's pretty. I just aesthetically don't really like the style. It's the, it's the the current Mickey Mouse show aesthetic, which I just don't like. But it's a game. Looks like a game. It's pretty, though I don't like the aesthetic. Could be cool. And then they're like, well, we have a bunch of other games that we're working on but aren't coming out for a couple of years, so we need to pad this out to 20 minutes. I, that's kind of what it feels like, I guess. Maybe, maybe I should just stop watching digital video game presentations. Because <laughs> they just they just piss me off. And they shouldn't. They should bring me joy. <laughs> How dare you call Qui-Gon just another prequel Jedi? <laughs> Whatever happened to Beyond Good and Evil 2? That's a great question. I have long since stopped caring. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil is a wonderful game. If I made a list of, like, my favoritest games of all times, uh, and it was a list of at least 10 or 15 games, Beyond Good and Evil might be up there. That was a hell of a year for Ubisoft. It's like within a year they had Beyond Good and Evil, uh, the new um, uh, Prince of Persia, and uh, the, the the Sam Fisher game was a um, sneaky, sneaky split jump thing. Hide in the dark has the um, ghost protocol. Ghost re ghosts. Fucking hell, Sam! What the hell's the name of that game? I think I have the damn game. What the hell's the name of this game? Uh, it's ghost something in it. No. Uh, Well, it's Tom Clancy something. Well, poop. Can't remember. Some, someone in the chat. What the hell's the Sam Fisher game series thing? Uh, this is gonna bother me. Google, help. Uh, Sam Fisher, uh, Australian pop rock singer. Oh, video game. Splinter Cell, that's what it's called. I... Yay, yay. <sighs> so...
So, um, I, I guess my point is is that nobody but Nintendo should be allowed to do digital video game presentations. I, I think that's what I'm saying. Or, or maybe, um... Uh, or maybe Nintendo should, you know, teach courses. What's that damn Skillshare or whatever where you, I don't know. <sighs> you know, for my money, here, here, are, here are Andrew Eisen's um, video game digital presentation tips. All right. Number one, I don't care how much footage you actually have of the game. Right? You may have none. That's okay. It's understandable. Sometimes that stuff doesn't come together until very late in development. I get it. But whatever you do, whatever you show, however you decide to present it, no one should come away, No, none of your viewers should come away asking, what's the game though? Right? Even if the only thing you have is a logo, like if a title treatment is the only thing, black screen, logo, that's it, you should still be able to communicate what the game is. That's tip number one. Tip number two. Uh, you could get rid of hosts broadly. No one cares. Broadly. We're here for the games. Just, just, just we don't really need the connective tissue. It's just, just, just give us the game trailers. It's fine. But if you are going to use hosts, which are not necessarily a bad thing and, and can provide needed context when you sometimes don't have the footage that you need. Which happens. An element of artifice is unavoidable in these situations. But don't do the thing, Ubisoft, where um, y'all pretend that you just are standing around like, Oh, hey, you, hey, let do, do you want to talk about Ubisoft games? I, funny you should ask that because we're standing here in a studio in front of a camera and blah 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 it's like hey do you, would you happen to have one more announcement you know what i happen to ha stop doing that don't do that it sucks nobody likes it we understand that you're a paid host you're working on a script off of a script. Just present. Masahiro Sakurai just has a new YouTube channel. He isn't pretending that he just walked out into his living room to, you know, pet his cat and watch some TV. And it's like, oh, I didn't know you'd be here. Well, since you're here, would you like me to talk about game design? Specifically, game design that coincides with the title of the video that you just clicked on? No, he doesn't do that. He just... You know, I don't pretend that I just happened to be sitting here. You know? I start, welcome to Molehill Mountain, it's a podcast, I'm gonna bitch about things for an hour. 
there's an element of artifice, right? Because if I wasn't on camera, I wouldn't be dressed. It's underwear time in the Eisen household right now because it's really hot. But no one needs to see that. No one wants to see that. No one wants to think about me constantly pulling the underwear off of my backside because it's stuck there because my bum is sweating. It's terrible. And nobody needs that image of me constantly peeling sweaty underwear off of my backside. No one wants that. No one deserves that. And I'm sorry. I should take my own advice. Number three. Let me think of a third one. Pause for drink. Part 3A. Do not cut to a montage of random people that I don't know extolling the virtues of a game I haven't fucking played. I don't care what random people on the internet who you gave an early access code to have to say about the game. I don't care. I don't know them. I don't care. Now, if, it, if, if the montage happened to include, oh my god, it's Susan, hey! I mean, that would be cool, but otherwise I have no idea who the hell these people are. I don't care what random people on the street think about your product. I care what I think about your product. So show me your product in a manner that communicates what the bleepity bleeps your project your product actually is Galdernit. and 3b along those lines your hosts stop doing the thing where you pretend to be the biggest fan of the company you're hosting for and you love every single thing that they do it's sickening even if it's true i know a lot of kind like disney has super fans people but i mean you know I'm a fan of Disney. And when I say a fan of Disney, I mean, like, it's general entertainment output. I don't own stock in the company. I don't give a shit about the company. In fact, Bob Chapek can go jump on a lake because he's a stupid racist asshole. He, the CEO of Disney, if you don't recognize the name. But I like a lot of the entertainment product that Disney produces. That's what I mean. But still, even the biggest superfan of Disney, Nintendo, Ubisoft, whoever, just from a product standpoint, nobody, generally, is the number one fan of literally every single thing that they make. So please, hosts, stop pretending that you are the biggest fan of every single property of every single game and movie or whatever that these companies are producing because again it doesn't bring me joy and you know what Marie Kondo will do when you don't bring joy oh yeah we've all seen the things Kondo has done for the sake of bringing joy I haven't slept in four and a half years because of the things I've seen. Marie Kondo is fucking hardcore. And that's the Molehill Mountain podcast for today. So thank you for joining me on 
my rants of stuff I don't like. Hey, let, let, let's end on a positive note. La. Uh, Madison is awesome. So there, we ended on positive. Case closed. So uh, join me tomorrow for the Sunday stream where I will hopefully bitch less about things and just we can enjoy Trails in the Sky the Third together and have happy, fun Sunday times. That will be nice. What are we doing? Oh, we've got a we've got another sealed stone to open. So uh, um, maybe Karna. I mean, I, I still want Kilika because she has the chakrams, but uh, I'll take Karna. And I titled my video "Let There Be Karna" because "Let There Be Carnage." I guess I could title it "Let the, Let There Be Carnage," but I don't know. Leave a comment. What if I should retitle my video? So uh, join me tomorrow noon Pacific Standard Time for some more Trails in the Sky of the Third. We'll add a new member to our party. We'll we'll do some more doors and we'll bop some more monsters and we will we will bring joy so that Marie Kondo doesn't you know what she'll do we all know what she'll do alright quick what's the Indo board for oh the that it's it's for it's for balance it, I mean not wearing shoes, so it's not going to be the most comfortable thing to stand on, but, uh... Okay, well, let me, let me do it this way. Do, do, do. Boop. stuff. Alright, so barrel, board, feats, then you, you know, try not to die. And then you can play video games like this, which was one of the, uh, can you hear me in the back? Which was one of the incentives for the charity event last year. I you played, I think, Super Mario Maker 2 while standing on the, the board. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, we're doing the uh, charity event this year. We're doing the Ring Fit Adventure Rhythm Game. So I thought maybe for an incentive I could try, you know, doing it on the balance board. But there's a lot of quick squatting, which is really difficult to do on this damn thing. You know, you can see me going slightly off balance, you know, when I squat fast. But, you know, anyway, that's what that is. It's just a, it's for balance. That's fun to play on. That's a good thing to. Uh, it's a good thing to keep your body engaged when body engaged when you're doing. Um, let me put the chat back up. When you're doing uh, very static work, like you know, arm curls or or presses or something. So, not like you can't figure this out from what I just said, but. So if you're. So instead of just, I'm bored, uh, one, two, you know, you're, you're just standing there, hopefully, you know, with good posture and such, you can get
get on the balance board. There we go. And, you know, curl, you know, fly, press, you know, just keeps the rest of your, keeps the rest of your body engaged while you're doing otherwise static activities. And yes, these are new. Um, well, I mean, these are like 25 years old, but uh, someone moving out of town said, hey, you want these? And I said, yeah, sure, because the heaviest I have is 15s, and these are 20. So it gives me a little bit more to work with, which is nice. And I also got a curl bar. So, there we go. So I got one of these, which is nice. So, you know, can do lucky sevens and stuff. That's that curved bar. So, you know, can do the different grips. So, it can do reverse curls. You know? So, that's neat. Fun toys! Alright. And now I'm all sweaty. Don't do that while wearing an overshirt because it's hot in here. I've been really slow in my workouts in the last couple of weeks because it's just so gosh darn hot. You know? Like what normally I might be able to do in 50 minutes is now taking me like an hour and a half because it's hot. And if I pass out from heat exhaustion or something, I live alone, so have to be, have, pardon me, have to be mindful. You've got great, oh, thank you. <laughs> Chicago, I'd probably fall and break my neck. My sister actually did bail on camera uh, last year, so. Yet you do have to be very careful with that thing. I mean, especially, you know, especially when standing near something like, like this. You do not want to go, whoa, and then smack your head on, you know, on something hard. So, if you are going to use a balance board, try using a support column or a wall or another person to help hold you, or, you know, just make sure you're not standing near anything that you could split your head open on, because, uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it's easy to fall, so. All right, so that's it. All right, so uh, tomorrow, uh, Sunday stream, Trails in the Sky the Third, Ceiling Stone, new character, doors, fun times. All right, uh, eat your veggies and uh, see you all tomorrow. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.